That's what makes it hard in ski racing. It's you have to perform two runs, not just one. And it's such a mental game. And I was able to, to do it twice. So why not do it again? Excellence is about standing. And excellence is a requirement for your dream come true. Welcome to Unfiltered Athletes. I'm your host, Leo. In this podcast, we go behind the scenes with world-class athletes to reveal the untold stories of their journeys. From grueling training sessions to mental strategies to achieve greatness, get ready for a raw, unfiltered look at the world of sports. In this episode, I have the tremendous privilege to talk to skier Laurence Saint-Germain. Laurence made the front page of sports news in February 2023 when she became world champion in slalom. Before getting into this discussion, once again, I'd like to say thank you to Le Club. Their coffee drinks are always very much appreciated by the various athletes I interview there. So thank you, Le Club. It wasn't easy for Laurence to get to the top. From being rejected on the national team and moving to Vermont when she was 19, to doubting about her capabilities to compete with the best just a few weeks before that gold medal, this interview portrays an amazing, resilient and extremely friendly athlete who deserves our admiration. And before the world gold medal, this journey started with a race to win M&M's candies. I feel like I've been told about it so much that I, it's like it's in my memory. Um, when I was uh, racing when I was a kid, I was um, doing M&M races when I was like five years old and apparently I was singing Petit Papa Noël, the Christmas song, <laughs> uh, the whole way down because I just loved it and my mom was like oh yeah just have fun and my dad was not happy about it he was like oh next time i'll be at the start <laughs> uh, uh, those yeah. were races or that was just like yeah it was a, a, a m&m race so where's m&m um it's well it was uh in Montserrat. okay but um you just got a m&m bag at the bottom so it was okay it was oh the that's best. what it is yeah <laughs> it was the best races but i guess the first actual memory probably i remember is the first run i did in a in a skin suit when like you don't race with your jacket i remember doing a free run and it was under the chair in Montserrat, and um it was freezing cold like usual and i just remember going so fast because it's so much faster with, without a jacket and we were like freaking out at the bottom all my friends and wanted to do it again and now i'm like how did i want to do a free run in a skin suit at minus 40 that doesn't make sense but yeah that was probably the mem memory i have when i was young okay so and, and, and there's a big difference between uh, a jacket and uh, a skin suit how how much you really feel it apart from the cold itself or in terms of speed and you know kind of aero oh yeah and it's it's definitely a, f a few a few seconds which is huge <laughs> in ski mm -hmm. racing um but yeah you definitely you definitely feel it even if You just race with um, like just your snow pants and no jacket. It's it's already a, a difference for sure. In, in slalom, which is what I do, is less of a difference. But for example, in downhill, when they go 100 kilometers an hour, it's it's like you definitely feel like yeah. a parachute feeling. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, was there uh, in your family a history in in ski in general, or were you the first one? Uh, you know going high level i saw your brother also was uh, was competing uh but were you kind of the two or the first generation of uh saint germain uh <laughs> the the highest level um my dad raced moguls when he was younger okay. well actually i'm pretty sure he ski raced too but he was not high level and then he played golf and then he 
he really liked mogul skiing and um he did the pro tour back in the days um when he was like in, in his 20s i think and uh, my mom was always a skier so they were both like avid skiers and my dad was definitely more the c competitive type but um yeah my brother and i were the first one to do like ski ski racing yeah. okay and um so when did it change from a hobby so it probably had not five for the m&m race it was a hobby then you started <laughs> racing it probably s remained a hobby uh, was there a point in time where it became more of a a goal for you to reach the top level um an event or you know, a specific moment that you can pinpoint that change in your in your in your mind um probably more i was not i was not the the kid that had the um, olympic rings in my room and i was really not competitive as i said i was singing christmas songs when i was going down <laughs> so i was um it was never like i was never the kid i was like i dream of going to the olympics it probably came more Like I joined the regional team in, um, I was when I was 14, I think, and that's when it became like really my my main sport. And then um, when I joined the Quebec team at 17 after high school, that's when I I was like, okay, I, like I want to try to to make it to to high level. Okay, so 17, uh, you you get into you said the national team, the um, the provincial team, the Quebec provincial team, Quebec, yeah. and yeah. when. How long does it take to get to the national team? And I think I also that at night you kind of get into the national team, then get kicked out of it and move to the US. What's yeah. kind of <laughs> what's kind of that in that in between part before uh, um, before coming back to the national team? Yeah. So at the end of high school, uh, I joined the Quebec team. I was there for two years, and then I got qualified to do the development team, the Canadian development team, and. I was there for a year, but had a terrible season. <laughs> and uh, in the end, I, I got kicked out. I, I wasn't even invited to the selection camp anymore. Um, so then I decided to go to University of Vermont um, in Burlington. And I joined the ski team there. And I, I had a bit of a scholarship, but nothing crazy since <laughs> I had um, not the best season. But I really wanted to go there. They had really good girls. And I... I knew that if I was going to make it back to the national team, I, I could race uh, with the national team and race for Vermont at that race uh, at that university since one one athlete was already um, already doing it. And um, so then I, I joined the UVM team um, and raced for them and still did the Noram circuit and everything to try to, to make it back on the on the national team. And in the end, I, I did. So, yeah, so two years Quebec team, one year development team one year only uvm and then back on the national team uh, was it a step back at the moment when you are uh, removed or you don't make it to the selections um is it a setback or are you young enough to say hey it's just you know an extra year of trying to get better and then I'll, i know i'll be back in a way or were you kind of at some point okay to potentially not coming back and was there a reason also for getting into vermont are is this a school that's known for skiing or I think your brother was also here at the time. Uh, yeah, what kind of the was the the reasoning behind going specifically there? Um, yeah, it was definitely a <laughs> a setback, but um, I was expecting it to be honest because I had such a a bad season. And but at the end of the season, with the on the development team, I asked the coach if um, like what what would it take me to to make it back on the team because I knew I was not making like I was by far the 
the worst on the team mm-hmm. and there was other girls the main thing was there was other girls younger than me that was be- that were beating me that deserved the place on the team as well and so i asked him what do i need and he told me that i needed to to win everything at um at the selection camp like uh, every day i was like okay fine if that's what i need i'll i know it's going to be hard but i'll try i'll do my best and in the end they called me that i was not even invited that was that was the big slap in the face that mm-hmm. i didn't even get a a chance to prove myself or to try to make it back and and um then i had either the choice to go back on the professional team or to try to go in the in the states um and i talked with um ellie turwell who was um one uh, athlete on the national team on the canadian national team that raced also for uvm so for university of vermont so she did she did both and she kind of had the same uh, path as me she was kicked off the team made it back and so i talked a lot with her and um my brother was actually in the same situation um he did one year on the development team at the same time as me and he was also getting cut but for him it was he had a great season but he was technically too old at 22 years old um so then we both we both chose to to go there in the east it was um it was the strongest school and they had a lot of people making it back on the on the national team either norwegian or us um national team so that's why we we chose we both chose to go there okay so you went there at the same time uh, yeah started at the same time yeah we started at the same time it was funny actually our first first class <laughs> at uvm was together in math class because he was i was in in computer science and he was in uh, mechanical engineering so we had the like some prerequisite at the sa- like the same and yeah our first class was the same in My brother didn't even show up with a backpack. He thought he was like, "Oh, I thought it was syllabus week. He was really <laughs> chill." And he was like, "Do you have a paper and a pen?" And I was like, "Oh my god, are you kidding me?" <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was pretty fun to study with him. Nice. And what's the the age difference with your brother? And um, yeah, how how did that help you in going through that? I mean, tougher period of a kind of low in your um, uh, growing career. Uh, we're only a year and a half apart. Okay. So. Um, We were two years in ski racing, but only a year at school. So we were always pretty close, but definitely being both ski racer, we we were even closer when like we were on the Quebec team at the same time. We were on the national team at the same time. Both got cut at the same time and decided to go at, at university at the same time. So um, we d- were definitely really close and he was, he's a really good skier. So um, we always helped each other and always really liked training together and Um, it definitely helped me throughout my career, especially in the the low ones, like you say. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so you're 20, 21 when you get back into the the national team. Um, what's what's next, and what's the end goal? Is it you know world championship? Is it uh, the Olympics? What's kind of once you're back into the national team, you kind of made it in a way, but there's necessarily a next step, you know, as a as a top level athlete. So yeah, when you get there, what's is there a, a revenge? feeling of and now i'm going to show them they were wrong and that i absolutely deserve my spot here uh, and uh, yeah what what's next for you in uh, in your mind at this point yeah it was actually uh, <laughs> kind of even just making it back on the national team was not <laughs> not easy because i i made criteria but at first um they didn't want to take me back so i had to even fight to have my spot and finally when i got it it was just trying to to start a world cup because even if you're not on a national team you don't have the spot guarantee in in the world cup so um i was training hard in summer and i had the chance to to train with the two best <laughs> canadian um athletes especially in, in my discipline in slalom and um at that point i was just i didn't really 
felt like I needed to, to prove myself. Honestly, I was kind of tired <laughs> to have to prove myself again. Um, but I just told myself I got a, a second chance and I have an opportunity to train with the best in the world right now. And, and I tried to learn as much as possible. And at that point, the Olympics were not even in my, in my goals because they were... I was in, it was 20, 2015, so I had still had three years before mm -hmm. the, the next Olympics. So I was more on the short term just to try to, to mm -hmm. make it on the World Cup circuit. Um, and yeah, how much is passion? I went, did, how much, sorry, did passion uh, for skiing? Because I saw that, you know, skiing was your life in a way, but you know that you also have many other stuff and you don't need that to be happy. Um, yeah, how much do you think passion versus uh, your just objectives to uh to prove yourself and and win medals uh so how much passion was important in in getting you know in staying motivated when you had you know so many downs and lows yeah i think in my head it was like i love skiing and i never thought in all of those downs or lows that i i was done even i uh, when i made criteria and the they cut me again. Uh, they, they didn't want to take me again back on the national team when I was, I, I definitely deserved my spot at that point because I, <laughs> I made their criterias. And in my head, it was not uh, like, screw this, I'm, I'm done. It was, no, I'm just going to keep going because I, I wasn't seeing myself as um, being done skiing even if they wouldn't take me on the team. So that year, my uh, at my um, during my first year at, at University of Vermont, I was... I told myself if I don't make it to back to the team, it would be a great way to end my career with having a really great school, skiing at a high level. Mm -hmm. And if this is going to be the end of my ski racing career, it's, I think it's a good one. So um, I think I, I set myself to have so many, so many goals in every aspect of my life that it makes me really confident that like whatever I choose or whatever happens to me, I, I know I'm going to, make myself be happy if that makes okay. sense <laughs> so in a different let's say in a parallel world if you had not made it back into the national team what would you have done would you have stayed in the world of sports in the world of ski or would you have gone completely different you said you were studying computer science in, in vermont would i would you have been into the you know, corporate world what what do you think would have been uh, next in that parallel world yeah i think i would be probably having a normal job right now <laughs> probably wouldn't be making more money <laughs> to be honest <laughs> that's one of my next question <laughs> yeah um i don't think i would have competed in another sport like um i love mountain biking i love rock climbing i i love sport i think i would just like that's what i'm most excited about after my career is just to do all the sports and and travel the world in a different way you know i i see a lot of really cool places and really cool ski hills but um i'm excited to to see all those places in another eye, you know? So I feel like I'm just going to do a bunch of sports. And I think that would have been the same if I didn't make it back on the team. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, side question. You mentioned that you've seen so many nice uh, slopes. What's the best slope in Quebec? Ooh, in <laughs> Quebec. Well, whew, that's a tough question right now, I guess. Because obviously, Mont Saint-Anne is pretty awesome. Because you're from but there? Because I'm or, from there. Okay. Um, but they've been struggling a little bit right now. So <laughs> um, so I don't know if that's what I would say right now. But for skiing, I think it's it's one of the... It's a really good... Like, they have really good terrain. And um, it's really fun to ski there. I love I love uh, Le Massif, too, because the 
the view is totally unreal. Um, I've actually never skied in Gaspésie in the Chic so that's on my bucket list. I definitely want to go ski there. I think it, it looks really, really awesome. Interesting. All right, so yeah. side question uh, uh, closed. Um, <laughs> at some point, you met, just before you mentioned um, you deserved to be on the national team and you were not. Isn't it just based on pure performance and, and your best times and your best ranking in competition? Or is there also a more subjective decision from the coaches or the trainers um, for you know people that have potential, people that are younger, etc., etc.? Because, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised to say I deserve, but I wasn't there. So <laughs> what's kind of the I deserve, but? Um, yeah, so there's, um, there's criteria that are really clear well actually now it's the system changed a little bit but when uh, at that time um you had a team a team b team c and you had different criteria per age to attain this level so for example to be team a you had to be top 15 in the world in one discipline a top 30 in the world in two discipline and for b for my age at that time i had to have a certain amount of fist points which is like international um ski points basically at every race you score an mm -hmm. amount of points um and so i had to be top 45 in the world in the the fist points and i had attained that to be on the on the b team um so i had technically my spot but in the end with financial issues and everything they, they didn't have enough money to to take me on the team um to take new athletes on the team so that's why they said they couldn't take me but in the end they found the money which i'm really glad because i'm here <laughs> so, Interesting. Yeah. so when you say they don't have the money it's, be it's because they are funded to get the the, the organizations the, the training center the trainers and all that and they have a limited spot of uh, of athletes so that is that something that can limit the number of people at in the end going to the olympics because initially there's not enough cash to help <laughs> build those athletes Um, at the Olympics, it's a bit different because uh, there's already a maximum of amount of athletes you can, like, as a rule. But definitely for just having um, a pool of talent. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely limited right now. And especially with COVID, it hurt every single sport. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like before even my time, they used to have a huge development team for like junior athletes. And um, there was definitely a more... Um, I don't want to say straight line because it's never <laughs> it's ne athletic athletic career is never straight, but you definitely had more options. I think on team after provincial team, you had development team and Euro Europa Cup team and A B C as I said, and now it's only one team with everyone because we're um, there's there's a big gap between the provincial team and the national team right now, and it definitely needs to be to be fixed and. Um, our federation is is working to try to to fix this this big gap. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, second side question, more of a technical one. You mentioned that your specialty is slalom. Um, there are other categories, I would say, or, or types of races. Can you so that it gives a bit of context to the audience? Uh, I know a bit from what <laughs> I've seen, of course, on the Olympics. And when I was younger and I had uh, more TV channels at home, I used to watch the all the World Cup uh, events and all that. Uh, but there's Super G and other stuff. Yeah, can you explain briefly what the difference is and why you uh, ended up in Slalom? Was it like a choice or because your, you know, your, your capabilities were, uh, were fitted for that, uh, that category? Um, yeah, so there's four disciplines, four main disciplines. So there's downhill, which is the crazy one, the fastest one where people throw themselves at like 
100 to 140 kilometers an hour down the hill um i don't do that one <laughs> um but and then there's super g um which is also very fast but a bit less distance between the the gates um so it goes a bit slower but still over 100 kilometers an hour and those two downhill and super g are qualified as the speed events mm -hmm. um and then you have the technical events which is um giant slalom and slalom um giant slalom has for example around 25 to 30 meters between each gates as in speed you can have 40 to 50 meters between between gates so it's a bit slower and and more turns obviously and then um for those three disciplines for giant slalom super g and downhill you have the gates with the the flag in the middle mm -hmm. the like classic alpine skiing gates that you can think of um and then for slalom which is what i i do there's only between nine and 12 meters between the gates so it's it's super quick and we only have a single pole instead of the two poles with the flag so we actually hit the pole with our shins and our hand um so the goal is to be as close as possible to the gate to to try to um travel the least amount mm -hmm. to go the fastest obviously um and the reason why i chose slalom for sure i was i was better at it and i like it more but what came before i don't know <laughs> but um i always like the the quickness of it and the rhythm with hitting the poles um honestly it's funny because the speed event super gin downhill it it it's definitely really really fast when you go down but it felt so slow because you have to be so gentle and calm and it's all about the line and everything so for me i i like the the fast rhythm and pace of the slalom okay interesting did you try all four i guess you did try uh, to find where where you were the best yeah at the young age you start with giant slalom and then you incorporate slalom and then when you're around 16 years old then you have opportunity to more do the speed events also and so i did it until i was 19 i did all four um but i never did a lot of super gin downhill because well first in in the east we have less big mountains so there's less opportunity to do speed but um i didn't enjoy it as much so mm -hmm. i didn't like really push to do it but uh i did definitely a lot of slalom and gs i i raced giant slalom until um like even in at university i did i did slalom and giant slalom still so okay. so specifically for your uh, discipline so slalom is there um what are the the top skills or strength that you need uh is it more like the lower body upper body or is everything important and that brings another question which is how do you train necessarily train on the on the you know on the slopes uh, but you you have other types of trainings like uh, pure uh, you know uh, power uh, going to the gym biking uh, yeah so and what's your kind of you know, training like and, and daily uh, daily training for for slalom you definitely need we do more agility and well even in in giant slalom for the the technical events i would say Definitely, there's more agility and because it's it's fast pace. As in downhill and super G, that speed events they're gonna do more of long loads and they have definitely more forces to um, to hold. And even the the tuck position, like the aerodynamic position, for me in slalom, I I never go in that position. Mm -hmm. I'm always standing up, so um, it's definitely something that I don't have to train that the other ones have to train. Um, and um on the slopes it's actually easier to train slalom because we need a 
shorter <laughs> shorter hill mm-hmm. so we have more options to um to do different stuff but um it's like on the hill the the training is is similar and technique is pretty pretty similar because skiing is skiing in the end but for the summer um i think it's more important for us uh, technical skiers to to do a bit more speed um agility story and um and then i i do basically everything definitely <laughs> skiers have big legs <laughs> more than big arms uh we need a lot of lower body strength and um i think those skiing is you see all the body types it's there's really good tall people there are really good short people big people mm-hmm. slimmer people um it's it's really more a, a skills type of sport so for me i think it's so important to, to try so many different things that's why I, i do a lot of different sports and i think it transfers super super well to, to skiing interesting um and so yeah what's um because we one of the reason why i started this podcast as i mentioned before we record is to understand the person and all the struggles and everything that goes behind what we see on tv or on the radio um of course we'll get to it a bit later about your recent amazing achievements um but yeah what's yeah how how do you plan a year in general and and what does it look like for you are you 100% a skier do you have I mean you study also on the side so how do you cope with all of this and how do you uh, remain uh, top shape you know <laughs> year, all year long well my planning is my coaches that do it for me I well like the races I they plan around the races I do and since I only do slalom it's a bit easier to plan how, how many uh, events a year let's say how many uh, races per year only nine for only nine. yeah so this year we had I guess maybe 10 this year. I think it was nine World Cups and then World Championship. Um, but there's some skiers that do all four events, like um, Michaela Schifrin right now, the best in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, she does all four, so she has a lot of races. So her planning is definitely um, arranged dif- differently than mine. Um, but my race season starts in November and ends at the end of March. Um, and in between that, I, I do... A lot of ski training but in the summer uh, it kind of changes every year depending on what the coaches decide and if there's world championship or the olympics or or just world cups um but right now i have three months off um just to do my my physical training and i'll start um skiing again in in august and do three weeks of skiing come back home well to school and then three more weeks and come back and kind of alternate like that and during the season for sure we have less time to to do our physical training but we we try to get um like a lift uh, like to like lower body especially to try to maintain what we we did in the summer to make sure we we can last the whole the whole season okay uh, so i read also one thing when you said that you didn't have it was in french so i kind of translated in english <laughs> it's not necessarily the right uh, word but it said that you didn't have like a either a private staff or private trainers a private entourage in a way when like you said Michaela Schifrin has uh or you know because she's more more famous she had more medals so what exactly does that mean and is that um yeah what exactly does that mean that you don't have a private entourage you don't have a, a trainer that's only training you um we well there's some athletes that have yeah private teams so they have their own coaches, their own de- technicians, their own um, physical trainer and all their own little team. Um, for us, for for Canada, we have 
um, like I have two coaches for the slalom side, which is are the same as the three other athletes that are on the slalom team with me, and we're we just work more as a as a team. So when I when I do my planning, like the the ski planning is the same as um, my other teammates. So we're right now we're four girls on the slalom team, and there's um, four other girls on the well. We're eight girls total on the team. And we have coaches that we, we share. We okay. don't have like a one athlete that's singled out. Okay, yeah. interesting. So that's a, a lot about physical, technical uh, training. Um, I think there's a, a bigger and bigger part in sport about mental, mental coaches and mental you know wellness in mm -hmm. general. Um, do you have a mental coach or someone helping you? Uh, and that probably will lead to the your recent uh, world uh, medal which um yeah you, you said and you'll get more into that that you had lots of peers where you were doubting before the the, the world title and i'm very interested in seeing how uh, what's the the proportion um of mental versus pure physical and technical that made you become a, a world champion yeah so on the the federation provides me with the everything on the hill, um, so ski coaches. And then I chose, well, recently they don't provide anymore the um, physical coaches, so my trainer in the summer. Um, so I I chose mine um, and I really like him. I think it, we work really great together. And then um, also I do have a, a mental prep, um, a sports psychologist and um, she's been amazing. I've been working with her for, for two years now two and a half years um, and it definitely makes a huge difference um, for sure coaches are important but it, I think it's important to have for me to have like my own team at home um, I'm from Quebec City and I, like everyone's there and when I, I go home I can really reach out to them and get my a bit a bit more of that private side and speci specialized um, training for me. And um, so, yeah, what is the content, I would say, of, of a session with one of your um, uh, mental coach, for example? Uh, do you look at videos of a recent race? Do you, um, you know, talk more about, like, private stuff? How do you feel in general? Uh, what's kind of, yeah, how does that help? And what's the content that makes you, you know, uh, gets you better? Um, it kind of varies on what I need or for sure in the summer, I don't talk about a race day because we're kind of far for the races, but um, yeah, I do reach out um, before the, um, the big, the big events um, before s races. If, if I struggle in training to try to um, like find cues that I can tell myself to, to come out of that and to make sure I, I'm, I deal well with my my fears, my stress, my um, things that are going well. Sometimes, actually, that was what was the most stressful before before World Championship is that was I was skiing really really well in training, um, and that was stressing me out because I was like, oh, I I know I can do well, and it kind of added a bit of pressure. So, um, yeah, all of that just to try to to make sure I'm I'm my best self when I'm in the start. Okay, I saw you uh, looking at your latte. You wanted to take a sip or something, so go for it. <laughs> uh, and um, I'll take uh, the advantage of it to uh, thank again Le Club, which is the place we're uh, recording now. It's a coffee on uh, on the plateau, and they uh, provided us with a nice room to record. So thanks uh, to them. Uh, very nice sports cafe with nice coffees. So uh, thanks, guys.
All right. That was just coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you a coffee lover? You were asking yes. specific questions about getting into the barista, so I assume you are. Yeah, I'm a huge coffee nerd. <laughs> um, yeah, it really, I'm really interested in, in coffee and um, the origins and different roasters and everything. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Um, so your uh, title February this year, I guess, uh, you, I think, you, um, you said that you were doing great at training and a couple of, I guess, World Cup events before you were not performing as well. Um, did you manage to in the end identify what went wrong or was it more again, mental on, you know, I'm at the start of the event and you know, you're processing too much and not, you know, uh, just acting? What's, uh, yeah, what, what went through your, uh, through your mind and did you, manage to, uh, did you manage to figure it out? Yeah, I was, this year I was definitely... Um, really confident in training and then it's like I, I didn't let myself believe that I could do it and it just added this little this little doubt that made inconsistency in my in my skiing because every every race even the ones that I, I didn't do well I, I started really well I had really good intervals and then I would do a mistakes that I that I don't even do in training so I think that was the big difference um The two weeks before the world champs, I I just really t took accountability for what I was doing and kind of pinpointed what I was missing technically and really took ownership of that and it it gave me confidence and when I when I showed up at the start I I knew I I had everything in me to to s just ski well and that's all I needed to think about not about the result not about a who was watching me or who I was doing it for. I was really doing it for me and I, I just needed to focus on, on skiing well. And on that specific race, is there something that you can say, oh, that everything went perfectly or I went above what I was capable of or do you think it's that could be your average and you, you, uh, you have what it takes to you know, just repeat those, uh, those uh, success, successes? Yeah, I think the ski, the ski I did was what I was doing in training and even... I kind of <laughs> doubted myself after first run because I was sitting in, in third place and it's the combination of, of two runs. And for the second run, we, we flip the top 30. So um, I knew I was going to start around um, the best in the world. And I, I had never been in that, that position. And I told my teammate, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be so stressed for second run. And she's the one that told me, why would you be stressed? You you skied the ski you, you were skiing for the past two weeks. So... It, it just showed me that I I can actually do it consistently. I, it, it was not just a surprise, and that that's what maybe made me confident for second run too. And that's what makes it hard in ski in ski racing. It's you have to perform two runs, not just one. Mm -hmm. um, and it it's such a mental game on that part. And I think I I was able to to do it twice. So why not do it again? <laughs> yeah, and and well, after that the season wasn't over. I guess you had a couple of other races, and I think you were. Well, you you had good results, but not as good as this this title. Uh, and again, once again, are you able to see or analyze what went not went wrong, but didn't go as well as it did on the on the one or the two uh, amazing <laughs> races? Um, this yeah, the race after I was I was fifth, which was my second best result ever. And uh, it was funny. I saw this <laughs> uh, one of another racer and she's like oh good job are you happy I was like of course I'm happy <laughs> like it's my second best result I had never done a top five in the world cup and but um ski racing is 
it's an individual sport and we go one after the other so i think you have a part of of luck too you know uh, at world championship yes i won but um Schifrin, who came second she didn't have her, her best second run like she could have had and um wendy holner she dnf the second run and she was going really fast before she did you know it's it's always a a mix of everything you have to perform well but you also have to be a bit lucky that the other people don't perform better mm -hmm. than you you know and i think that's what happened in uh, in sweden when i finished fifth i had a two two really really good runs and um definitely i didn't do my best runs but i think other people had better runs than me in this skied amazingly i don't think that race even if i did my best skiing i don't think i could have won the race in in sweden so um so on the the race where where you you win the world champs um you have i think at one third a small mistake i'm not a pro i just watched over and over <laughs> yeah. and I, i read also that you mentioned that you have like you kind of go backwards slightly um so what's your mindset in a what goes through your brain it's like a minute and a half ish um the, the race do you have like a a pattern you just is your brain just focused on a hey, next door next door here there that speed that angle everything or do you have something that goes through your mind where you go backwards like oh shit sorry <laughs> uh, that went wrong and now i shouldn't miss the next one because of or you're just like oh that happened next next it's just the machine running i have a plan when i inspect because we're allowed to go slow through okay. the course like not even skiing it's really just sliding in it so i'm allowed to like see what's what's going on and um so i i can do my visualization to see which section i need to be smart or attack and everything so i i do have my plan and what works best for me is when i just think about that plan but as soon as i pass through a gate this gate is gone whatever happened is it's mm -hmm. done so i need to really stay in the present um so in in that race when i made that mistake it i just i just told myself oh no it's not time to don't go out don't go out and then i thought about making the time that i that i lost in that mm -hmm. in that mistake and and i know that mistake happened because i was hammering like crazy because yeah. i i really really wanted to have a medal and so sometimes those mistakes happen because you're going fast it's better to do those mistakes than to not to have a pretty run but be be slow So. Mm -hmm. um that's awesome so you uh you cross the finish line then you wait the next two you said one is dnf uh, then shifting i think just makes a, a couple of mistakes um from that moment so you reach the top the probably the best result you can have other than the olympics i assume yeah. um well the, there are all the the celebrations the not realizing what's happening all that um but what do you think is next for when when you had time to kind of recover from it uh you reach the top you can reach in a way um is there something in you that says i want to do it again or you're like oh i did that now it's just bonus it's definitely i want to do it again <laughs> um yeah because there's still there's still the olympics definitely that are higher but mm. even if i you know i was amazing one that one day which was awesome but Um, I still want to get that consistency to, to do it repeatedly during a season. We mm -hmm. have nine races. There's nine opportunity to, to win or to, to have a podium. And um, I definitely want to reach that consistency that I can be a contender to do it at every every single race. That's really my my goal for, for the season now. 
Okay, so what in that case, what would be success for you in the next uh, two years, let's say, before the end of 2024-ish? Mm. In sports, success yeah. <laughs> outside of sport is probably the next, uh, yeah. next <laughs> question. Um, I definitely want to be, as I said, just a contender to be on the podium at every every race. Um, there's a a crystal globe that you can win at the end if you're the fastest ski racer of a discipline um, at the end of the season. Th that's with the World Cups events. Yeah, the only yeah the nine World Cup events. You, yeah, you, you have points for for each uh, event, and then yeah. you add up everything, and you have the globe if you. Uh, yeah, if exactly. Okay. Yeah, so. Um, that would be completely unreal, but that's why, <laughs> um, but it was unreal to w win world champs. So I think it just gave me, um, hope that I can do something out of the mm -hmm. ordinary, but yeah, I think being a contender for the, for medals at each race would be, would be definitely what I would aim for for the next two years. Nice. Um, and so that, uh, world title, did it, what it definitely did change stuff, <laughs> yeah. uh, but what does it change in terms of? sponsors uh, your crew um, expectations uh, everything what were on all those topics what changed what just got better uh, and what will help you you know getting being a contender and, and ending up on podiums for the next uh, next year next few years so far for for um, sponsors it didn't change much i'm working on that <laughs> looking for some <laughs> hint hint <laughs> um but uh definitely for for pressure it, it changed already at the, the next race you know uh that was three weeks after world champs i already wanted i knew people were gonna expect more of me and mm -hmm. i was gonna expect more of myself and um i was but I was really happy with how I, I dealt with that and I had my second best race, which was awesome. Um, but definitely what other thing that changes, I'm definitely more, <laughs> more busy when I'm home. Um, yeah. you know, before Sorry for that, by the way, yeah. <laughs> thanks for being here. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I was, people knew me in Montserrat, which is a tiny village. Um, but now even um, in at other ski hill or even sometimes I saw people taking secret pictures of me in, <laughs> in Europe and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not used to that, but uh, it's definitely a learning process. And actually that made me respect so much more the, the top, top athletes that must, it must be in, insane to be famous and to like actually not being recognized everywhere. It must be so hard to deal with because I, had that for like three days in a row after world champs and, and you get tired it was exhausting and you lose your privacy I guess. yeah yeah and that must be that gave me so much respect for them because that must be so intense all the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so you you uh, mentioned sponsors and that's one of the questions that i ask quite often especially with under um covered sports skiing is quite uh covered by the media uh because there are you know a few worldwide stars in a way um but yeah so how do you live off the sport uh you study so you'll you'll get like you said a normal job at some mm -hmm. point probably uh most likely um but yeah how do you live off the sport you mentioned you know fundings and stuff from the government but uh yeah it doesn't the title bring you more you know attention and people willing to you know put their brand on you and of course there are values and all all the stuff that you want to align with with the sponsor but yeah did, did it change anything for you and what's the, the overall uh a view that you have on sponsors and you know money in sports in general 
Um, for with ski racing, we have um, basically only our helmet that we can have a we can have a sticker on um, oh, to yeah. um, to race with. That's the only thing we can have during, like really when we're going down, and um, that's the spot that we're allowed to use um, personally. And then I have two spots on my jacket that I can that I can have to have personal sponsors. Um, but I don't race with that. I don't race with a jacket, as I said before. It's a big parachute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but I do train in it and everything. But um, so these are the personal sports and uh, personal spots for sponsors. And um, for sure, I have um, sponsors for my for my equipment, like for for ski skis and poles and helmet and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I have access to that. Yeah. And did the title change anything? Because you said <laughs> it, it, you had like a in, in wink wink yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, sentence saying like looking for sponsors. But yeah. yeah, is it like a constant search for you in order to kind of you know get more revenue so that you can focus even more on on skiing without worrying about, uh, about for you know, equipment f- equipment? I'm I'm really well. Um, like I have a lot of help and. So far, it didn't it didn't change anything for that as far as like amounts and everything. Um, but um, definitely, I'm looking more for the, those personal spots because we we do have a, a mandatory fundraising requirement to be on the national team. Uh, we have to each athlete have to raise twenty thousand dollars to be part of the Alpine skiing national team. It's a pretty big uh, amount. And um, raise meaning pers- you have to personally find people that fund you. Yeah, if not, I I have to to pay it <laughs> so yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's interesting these yeah. are things that people don't know and you know, it's not just about yeah exactly racing. it's also mm-hmm. there are stuff like extra sports stuff that you need to do in order to be yeah. able to compete <laughs> yeah so um so yeah those sponsors like the helmet and the the patch on my jacket can like that's what i'm looking for more to to try to cover those that twenty thousand dollars interesting yeah interesting um so yeah enough about sports because it's been 45 minutes i don't want to keep <laughs> too long you have well you have to study because yes. you're still studying you're a student at polytechnique montreal polytechnique montreal yeah. <laughs> uh, the quebec way um yeah how do you keep up with that because we talked about sports we talked about you know everything that's not pure sport but that's also related like like we said mental and everything but yeah how do you cope with um a full agenda with your discipline plus you know studying plus having a life in a way yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah what's um what do you study there and how do you uh, how do you manage uh, i'm in biomedical engineering right now and um i really like it uh, after after university of vermont um well actually during when i was there and i was studying computer science i wasn't sure if that's exactly what i what i wanted to do and i felt like i was kind of missing the the human part of it i, I thought i was I'm an athlete. How can I just work with computers? I I was missing the like health part and the mm-hmm. body, and I re- always liked biology and everything. So um, when I found that program, I I thought it it suited me really well. And um, right now I'm part time, which is easier than in Vermont. I was full time. That was quite intense <laughs> racing for the university too. And uh, but I have really good support from the from the school and. Um, I can do some exams when I'm away and um, or I I can change the dates a little bit and it's it's really well not easy but <laughs> it's they, they make it as easy as it can be I think with my situation okay um, and you also mentioned to me well you have an agent uh, who put us in touch was kind enough to, to organize the the recording um, was is that also part of what kind of takes some load 
off your, your shoulders in order for you to focus on well studying and actually racing? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it helps me try to, to find the, those sponsors to, to help me raise that, the, um, the mandatory uh, requirement. And um, it for sure helps me organize my schedule. And one thing to, one less thing to think about, I can really just think about my skiing in my school. And sometimes I only want to think about school and sometimes I only want to think about skiing. So it It takes one thing away from me for sure. Okay, um, cool. So you're uh, you're 28. I read also one of the article about you that said, or well, it's a quote from you, I, th I think, where you said, "People expect, or on average, a uh, high-level skier has um, his first international medals medal around like 23 years old." I think uh, you got yours at were you already 28 uh, yeah. in, in February? Um, So you're advanced in your career, but you have, I mean, you, you reached the top and you probably can you know, uh, Im still improve. You have years ahead of you, but you're, of course, thinking of what's next. I assume if you keep studying, what will be next? After my, my ski once you Once yeah. you put the skis back in the closet. Yeah. Or you will never really put them <laughs> yeah. back, but yeah. the, the, the racing internationally skis. Um, there's... Two fields that interest me, I would say, um, robotics, that computer science size, uh, side I really like. Um, so working for um, surgical robotics would be super, super interesting. And uh, then the biomechanics part really interests me also. And then, um, which are kind of close together, I guess. And um, recently I learned a lot about the clinical engineering, which I find really uh, interesting also. What uh, is it exactly? Um, basically the engineers in the, in the hospital. Okay. So, uh, trying to do the logistical stuff in the hospitals and everything. So, um, that's quite interesting too. Um, I'll definitely have to do some internships to try to see what I like, or maybe I'll end up doing both later, but, um, yeah, there's, it's, it's so broad what I can do, what mm -hmm. we can do in biomedical engineering and. I feel like right now I think I'll be doing this, but probably in two years it's going to change. But mm -hmm. right now that's, yeah, that's what interests me. And is there anything that you think you can use from your skiing career in the next, you know, what would say, professional corporate world? And uh, is there any anything that you might want to do related to sports or do you think it's just going to be completely different? For sure, it's, it's going to be related i think um like the biomechanics part really interests me for uh, even doing um prosthetics and stuff like that i want people to be able to be active and um, as long as they can um but i think what made me go in biomedical engineering also when i was at uh, uvm and i wasn't sure about the computer science side if it it really um got me as much it's you know i've been passionate about ski racing my whole life and i put still to this day everything <laughs> everything mm -hmm. i do is for ski racing basically and i couldn't see myself not being passionate about something after i was done skiing so i i think when i'm done skiing and if i put all my passion in the biomedical engineering part um i think i can i can definitely be successful and i i, I really felt like i needed something i liked maybe not as much as scary thing but that i liked a lot too <laughs> yeah well it's all, it's awesome <laughs> um, <laughs> i'm so impressed <laughs> that you can i mean study engineering which is you know not that easy i mean i also went through that but and then you have 
uh, high level athlete. Like you have two lives that are you know so where you need so many uh, capabilities and, and competencies. So uh, yeah, kudos to you. It's uh, it's amazing. Um, a few um, few closing question in a way. One would be if you were able to talk to um, the ten year old you, and you had a couple of advice you could uh, give yourself. What would they be? Ten years old. Mm. Or five years old yeah. when you were racing for an <laughs> yeah. M&M or M&M's. Um, I think I would tell myself to keep just enjoying life, you know, and keep enjoying ski racing or skiing. You know, it's not about like at that point, it's not about the results. It's really about how much you love what you do. And um, even if you finish last at a race, it's fine. Just keep having fun. I think that's what made me who I am today. So I would tell myself to keep just loving sports <laughs> awesome which you still do which you keep doing <laughs> yes <laughs> um cool the last two questions that i always ask is one if um if you were to um point me to an athlete uh canadian that you think i should talk to uh, on the podcast and you think has a, a great story to tell uh who would that be uh, i'm a huge fan of a uh, fan of cindy wallet um who is a para basketball and para um nordic skier and she two? also the two. the two of them yeah two sports wow. two, two sports yeah and um she also studied uh, biomedical engineering so um i'm yeah i'm a huge fan of her and i think she has a great story and she could be really interesting to listen to i would love that if yeah. you uh if you can talk to her that would be wonderful yeah um, oh I, i'll reach i'm yeah are, I'll you, talk are, to are her. you a classmate Nope, not at all. No, she studied. Um, she studied in the U.S. Also, she did a. I think she did a doctorate oh. or a master's. Interesting. She okay. definitely did a master's, but yeah. Very I cool. I need to double check my facts. But, <laughs> but <laughs> we'll yes, get, we'll get and just re-record that portion where you, uh, <laughs> where you talk about her, uh, her specialty. Yeah. Um, cool. <laughs> the the last one is um, so I'm building at home a what I call a wall of fame uh, where I put a few gears from the the guests on the podcast. Um, is there something that you uh, you think of in the bottom of a drawer that uh, you might want to get rid of and I could put on my uh, on that wall? I definitely still have a lot of, um, of skin suit and I could give you the, a very special skin suit that comes with a story. Tell um, me the story. <laughs> so two years ago, you know how I said earlier that we hit gates with our shins and our yes, arm? Yes, yeah our hand um one race two people before i went i realized that i forgot my my shin pads the pads that protect my shins <laughs> and i didn't have time to get them so i raced without my shin pads <laughs> can you i mean isn't it super <laughs> dangerous or do, well, can you no, buy like a soccer stuff or whatever anything that, that um protects well you? i didn't have anything on me so i had oh you, like you realize like on the day of the race or yeah, yeah like okay like two minutes before i went i okay, had yeah, no yeah, time okay, so <laughs> um so i had to race without them for the first run and it like burned my suit so there's like the gate marks on it wow and i actually get, like, did huge okay. bruises on your yeah uh, i had pretty bad bruises wow. after well, that because yeah you race you don't race above 100 kilometers an hour but still it's pretty insane these are like plastics yeah poles. they're like yeah 30 millimeter plastic poles um they're, they're made to bend but with the shin pads well, yeah. <laughs> yeah your leg was bending yeah, yeah we <laughs> yeah we use the pads for a reason and i didn't have them that day but 
I did okay actually at that race. Um, I came 11, so that was one of my best results. But it actually helped me, I think, because I, I felt like so tough at this time yeah, that well, I was doing this. Course, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I have that suit for you if you want. Oh wow, that would yeah. be amazing! Thanks, so, <laughs> thanks so much. Uh, awesome, thank you so much. What can we uh, wish you, and where should the listeners follow you if you want to be followed at all? Because you seem pretty laid back <laughs> and relaxed. Uh, but you know, Instagram and all that is a uh, is quite uh, quite the thing. Yeah, Instagram. Um, I'm not even sure what my name on Instagram is. I think it's just Laurence Saint-Germain. Okay. No dash, no nothing. Um, and uh, honestly, now that the season is over, I'm at this point, I'm always happy when the snow melts because it's spiking and climbing season. So warm weather, maybe a bit of rain for the snow to melt. And then so bike season can start early. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you uh, so much, Laurence, for your time. Uh, we wish you only but the best. And I'll definitely uh, subscribe to whatever channel exists to, uh, to uh, follow you on, uh, on the slopes. Thanks. 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 Bye-bye. Bye. If you're still here, it's probably because you liked the episode, right? So if you want the podcast to grow and get more exceptional athletes, you can play your part by following us on your favorite podcast platform and on Instagram at unfiltered.athletes. It really helps us. And until next time, enjoy life.